0: Welcome to the King's Table. Welcome to the King's Table, a podcast of Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. The King's Table exists to help people know, love and obey Jesus as Lord over all. From the altar table to the dinner table, the conference table to the pool table, because Jesus is Lord over all. Hey guys, we're back again this week, and we are heading another step into our exploration through the different rooms of the church, and today we are going to be talking about a piano and psalms. <laughs> psalms? <laughs> psalms. P- psalms. We're trying to keep our, our, our P's and P's, so it's psalms. Because we're good Baptists. Yeah, that's Everything
1: right. must start with the same letter.
0: We need a, a poem to close. That would be good. There you go. Mm,
2: yeah. <laughs> Piano psalms and poems. And
0: poems. Yeah, I like it. So what we want to tackle is really just our liturgy. We're going to talk about worship. We've been talking already the past couple of weeks about preaching in the pulpit, about listening to the word preached in the pew, and so today we want to continue that still in the uh, auditorium sanctuary whatever you it's not a sanctuary hey, this
1: is not the place
2: <laughs> you did you baited me on that not the, not the time you looked at me when you
0: said it not
2: that's so easy you knew I was gonna throw daggers at you you with have your eyes. speak plainly shirt on so we I'm just do a, saying
1: a, we can do a, an episode on that if you wish we should.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. We, we should yeah that's the next step as we leave the yeah. the auto auto sanctuary <laughs> shut up Sanctuarium. a large
1: room where we meet <laughs> to hear the word preached and to sing songs.
0: So in the side of that picture, we're primarily talking about our worship. And uh, worship is something that we talked about to a, a good degree in some of our uh, Membership 2.0 stuff as we talk about the responsibilities of a king to, to carry culture and of a citizen to, to have loyalty and fidelity to that king. And so for us as Christians, it's going to be our loyalty and worship back to our king. But inside of kind of what we we're after in the king's table, we really kind of want to set up this I guess thesis for this episode of it being not just worship but like not not just why do we worship our king, but what is our worship doing? so it's mm-hmm. more than just kind of what it is, but what's some of the effect that we're after what is what is God actually making happen through this and so for us, we're going to say that's worship is warfare,
2: yeah, yep.
0: I found this statement from com. I think it's helpful and just explaining outright what we're after when we call it warfare because we are actually doing something in this act that we are so familiar with yet are still missing a big piece of. They say this, Anytime we openly declare our love, adoration, and allegiance to God, we are raising a battle cry in defiance to his enemy. His enemy is Satan, and his purpose is to steal, kill and destroy the worship of God from his people, the John 10.10, 10, and to disrupt his will in their lives at any cost. And so for us, the greatest weapon we have to fight this battle is worship, not because we are doing the fighting, but because it is God who fights for us. And so that really, I think is a fuller, bigger perspective of what we come in every Sunday to do, open your hymn book and start singing. Like, what do we actually expect to have happen there?
1: Yeah. I think you see lots of, expectations that are put upon churches for the quote-unquote worship or worship experience and a lot of those are very poor expectations Mm -hmm. that a lot of churches have um, bought into in an effort to uh, please and attract a larger larger audience Mm -hmm. a broader audience but I think that they're forfeiting um, really the essence of um, what we're asked to be after in
0: but those expectations are everything. I mean, when I, you know, tuck my kids in on Saturday night and I say, sleep good, see you in the morning for church, and they say something like, yeah, what, why are we doing that? Right? I mean, it's not a surprise to them at this sure. point, but they, they, to answer the question, like, yeah, what do I expect to actually happen tomorrow when we go? Mm. Why am I doing it? What am I, what would make me go to church and say, yeah, that was not great what would make me go to church on Sunday and say that was exactly what we needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: You familiar with the, uh, Alistair Begg has this kind of famous clip of a sermon where he, I think it's titled, you can look it up on YouTube, something like, um, uh, don't ask me how I'm feeling.
0: Yeah. Tell me Uh, what I know.
1: Tell me what I know. And he said he was in a church, uh, when he was traveling and he said he usually doesn't get the opportunity to go and sit down in a church where people really don't know him. And where he doesn't have to play a part and he really values that where he can just be a participant and be ministered to and he said the whole thing started by the guy you know the worship guy getting up and saying how y'all feeling Um, and he said that he wanted to yell back wretched wretched miserable what do you got for me (laughs) (laughs) right Mm -hmm. because that's the reality of of what we're bringing Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I go to the gathering of the Saints On the Lord's day I'm looking for the truth to be um, driven into my heart through the songs that we sing through the pattern of liturgy that we walk out the readings the prayers ultimately to the preaching of God's Word that truth is driven into my heart and that I am changed to be more like Jesus than when I walked into that place Mm -hmm. Um, that, that I will die to self um, and I feel like that the, the songs that we sing, the liturgy liturgy that we follow, um, those things are are softening, breaking away the hard places of the heart, um, calling for courage in places where you're we are fearful,
2: hardening the places that need to be hardened, hardening
1: the places that need to be hardened. Yeah, good word. That's that's what I'm looking for. Um, and so, yeah, there are, you're right. There is expectations, and there is a quote unquote experience that happens, I think that's been reduced to something very, very poor, though, mm-hmm. um, where it's very entertainment based.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think worship has, has become um, uh, self-focused, me-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, what can I get? What can I feel? What can I... what As opposed to um, this uh, battle cry towards the Lord. I mean, if you... I mean, just like a picture, like Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, right? They're they're to go uh, and and trumpet and make song.
0: That's participatory.
2: Yes, it's participatory, and it's aimed at something beyond just ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is the which is fundamentally different than the way most churches approach worship uh, and when we say worship we mean the the formal gathering of the saints not not worship in general
0: yeah it's a commodity uh, for them it's, it is it's a product
2: it's it's a it's a, pro- it's, it's a marketing tool it's mm-hmm. it's whatever and we're saying no it's it's actually worship is 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 not about you um it is it is other oriented uh ultimately god and then it's other oriented in the edification of the saints as well it's not about what you're experiencing um Although it is an experience, it's not, a, it's not for you, ultimately, or even primarily. And I was thinking about Ephesians 2, where he says, uh, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Right. So that's, that's the world. And then verse 4 says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, made us alive together with Christ. So when we sing, when we pray, when we read the scriptures, we, we are, it is an act of war against the sons of disobedience. Mm-hmm. Because what we're doing is we're showing that we're different. We're showing that we're alive and that they're dead. And so even if someone is in our midst that is dead, they should feel this onslaught of God's redeemed people making declarations of war. Mm Because that's really what's happening. We're we're saying, look, we're we're not of this world. We're alive. You're dead because of Jesus. And so it's very much uh that line of raising a battle cry in defiance of his enemies mm-hmm. that's what, what what we're doing because satan at his core seeks to rob the lord of his glory yeah so if he can get us singing about anything else praying about anything else reading anything else as an authority in our lives other than the word of god then then he he's he's winning
0: yeah Let's go ahead and talk about that. We've, we've named a few of them uh, in doing so, but let's, let's be clear. What are some of those expectations, those tools that Satan's going to use to help us refocus uh, or distract really on, on something other than right worship?
1: I think piety is one. Um, the feeling good or the over-relational aspect of um, my feelings towards God. Or You can kind of see this in uh, very affirming uh, churches today we want to make sure that we have a place for everybody mm-hmm. and uh, so then what we end up doing is cultivating a worship experience quote-unquote um, that no,
0: they, they literally called experiences Yeah,
1: a worship experience that um, is pleasing and welcoming to people who hate God mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does not challenge uh, those who do belong to God and then, therefore, our churches are just full of goats waiting to be slaughtered. Ultimately, but everybody seems happy, and every everybody seems very charged up because music has such a ability to stir the soul, to um, bring a bring about all sorts of emotions. And you, when we talk about this idea of worship as warfare, you think often about you know ba- um, um, soldiers going into battle for their king, and they go off singing. You know w- whether it's a um some kind of a a rallying cry uh song to stir the soul uh whether it's one uh, that they're singing about home and their loved ones which then again stirs them to Mm -hmm. have courage to protect you know uh their homeland and why they're fighting i mean even our even our modern military has certain cadences and things that they sing jingles that they sing when they're training that they teach you in boot camp that this is what a marine is you know this is this is what a ranger is, and it's it's a catechizing, if you will. Um, This is what you're supposed to be about. And so music stirs the soul, but often what poor worship experiences do is just simply play on the emotions, and it's all about my relationship with Mm -hmm. Jesus. And this, as Matt's already mentioned, this very self-focused, what can I get to make me feel whatever you're trying to feel
0: what is particularly crafty about that too is that they know it won't last long enough so you have to come back for another
2: fix yeah Mm -hmm. and what's particularly tricky about it too is you get people who will say uh as as i've been accused of is like well but that sermon wasn't uh gospel centered Mm -hmm. and that's really tricky because uh, I genuinely want people to to feel good about the Lord after they've left our liturgy. Mm-hmm. So, meaning after they've left the sermon, the preaching, the uh, the praying, the songs. I want them to know and trust and love the Lord more. Like, I genuinely want that. The problem, though, is how do we get there? So... We're the way the world gets there and the way those who who would make that accusation in the past, the way they want to get there is by uh, don't don't really talk about my sin. Just just tell me how good Jesus is. Or if you're going to talk about sin, do it in a general way and then make sure you crescendo and show me how cool Jesus is. Mm hmm as where the way we're going to get there is he who's been forgiven much mm-hmm. loves much mm-hmm. so we're we're going to go the route of depravity and the glory of god and show the chasm and that jesus then bridges because that's where deep true long-lasting gratitude and love and passion for the lord comes from mm-hmm. is knowing how, just how much we've been forgiven mm-hmm. Uh, because then you see how great and how merciful he is rather than just just stamping a little bit of mercy onto your semi-Pelagian goodness. (laughs) Right. Then, uh, it's just, that's just syncretism. That's what the world does. You're Mm -hmm. uh, what I mean by semi-Pelagian, like you're generally a good person Mm -hmm. and God just needs to help you out a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's garbage. Just needs to clean you back up. Yeah. That's garbage. Yeah. Uh, the you were a swollen corpse, dead on the bottom of the ocean floor, and God has rescued you from from that death. Yeah. So, w- so that's where the piety thing and the the loving emotion side of things gets a little tricky because people in our day will say, "I want uh, a, a liturgy that's gospel centered, mm-hmm. and I want you to help me love God more." Great, I do. I want that too.
1: So you're saying we have to. To, in order to actually truly give them good feelings in the proper way towards God, we have to sing songs that are going to highlight the depth of our sinfulness, Yeah. the, the heights of God's holiness. Yes. That's ab- why you yep. can't take uh, for such a worm as I out of songs, right? I've heard and had conversations with people in the past uh, who are like, what? why do we have to sing stuff about being a wretch or like, a worm and I was, my question usually is like did you not think of yourself as that no they're <laughs> they peacocks right yeah
2: Well, my thing is like is it true in the scriptures right exactly. well yeah well then why not sing it
1: yeah which obviously we shouldn't be singing anything that's not in line with the scriptures
2: well, but, but my point is though if it's said in the scriptures right I hear what you're saying yeah why not sing it why not sing it I agree it like why do you have an issue with singing something that's from the bible because yeah. it doesn't feel good does it yeah. look good? I thought yeah. we made that clear,
1: <laughs> right, Russ, you said something um before Matt made his statement about they know it won't last do you mean um do you mean that
2: as a marketing scheme as
1: a marketing scheme, do you feel like that they're genuinely like aware that this won't last,
0: man, I'm gonna be super careful and slow to attribute malice to leaders like that that uh, i don't I don't know that they do that. purposely yeah yeah i know that they are repeatedly doing it because it works
2: right say i don't i don't think they're thinking i'm going to present it just short of like everlasting fulfillment so they have to keep coming back for more but i think they're definitely thinking if we create an attractive experience they will come back for more so i don't think they're
1: more of a marketing scheme than like a. so I don't think they're purpose- conscious manipulation.
2: Yeah,
0: I don't think they're purposely. I think there's uh, a good bit of manipulation in their conscious. No, I I yeah. agree,
1: but I think that those are the tricks in which when you start going after the attractional model, yeah. church growthy stuff.
0: It's just a it, fundamentally it's a it's a wrong target. Yeah. So yeah. And to me, that's where like discussions with people who are I would say trapped in those kinds of models and ministries is really hard, is because the assumption is that we have a similar target that we're both talking about right. when we sit down to discuss Sunday worship service. And that's mm. just not the case. No, we have entirely different things that we're aiming at. Yeah.
1: And as Matt already said, the danger of these kinds of things, you, what you're seeing today, you know, we saw at one period in not too late history, the church growth stuff, which is really just, an it's just been repackaged and kind of the affirming church service. Um, where you see churches literally adopting um, and affirming pronouns and so on, Mm -hmm. um, where we want to create safe places, quote unquote, for people. And again, that's tricky because we want to say, hey, you know, uh, the gospel is for you and Jesus is mighty to save you. But we create places that don't give people real freedom, but simply give them this false peace because as we've you know said because of a recent sermon that Matt preached but there is no peace without righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so how can we and all this is usually done under the banner of of loving people the way you know Jesus loved them. And if that's the way you're rolling you obviously don't know who Jesus is. I asked that question just because I also think there's something unique about uh, song and liturgy at, at when you when it's um packaged under the heading of, of worship because ultimately that's what satan is after right he's attacking the worship um yeah. that ultimately and rightfully belongs to god and he is willing and fighting with everything that he has to derail that in some fashion
0: that's well, one of the purposes of having a good liturgy in general is that it helps train you for the rest of life it helps yeah. it's formative because. I mean, we have all grown up in ministry with the whole worship is li- is my li- it's a lifestyle of worship. It's not right. just Sunday. Like, clearly, right now we're talking about Sunday morning specifically. Yeah. Sure. But that's why the liturgy is important, is because worship is a lifestyle, and so what we do on Sunday trains you then for your expectations for the rest of the week. So, right. all- so
2: then when you see that worship on Sundays is emotional, self-centered preferential driven it trains yeah. you for that, that for the trains it trains you for a, a weekly worship liturgy of being selfish and pietistic yeah. and entertainment driven and yeah. this is, and to the next point preferential driven just mm-hmm. yeah. prevalent in in uh when people are looking for a church even uh what's your list yeah yeah and it's gonna be <laughs> well you know worship what's your music uh, style what's your music style and and That's not just a thing of the past. I mean, I've heard people say that even in recent days that I would have considered, um, you know, uh, not your average church consumer. You know, I know folks that have gone
1: to churches primarily because of the music, like the music Music style, great. The music style is great. Yep. You know, and usually that's driven by foolish stuff like, you know, well, the hymns in the old church we were in was not relevant to our teenagers. And so we asked
2: them. (laughs) <laughs> where they want to go to church well um, if they if the hymns weren't relevant story. to your teenagers then you're a terrible parent
1: yeah well then then uh, <laughs> you don't understand them um yourself <laughs> um but that is a, it's a real thing that uh, people will pick a church um based on a music style which i think i mean and it's not just not just foolish to have that as a as your um kind of top priority but i think it's i think it's mm-hmm. sinful it's idolatrous.: It's idolatrous. Um, yeah, so it, it's funny too, because you'll see that preference thing in that highly emotionally driven culture of you know church worship experience. I've seen this before, where um, so I grew up with lots of hymns, as our folks know, when we started incorporating my dad's church started incorporating some more you know modern hymns or you know, modern Christian songs or whatever. Um, which is appropriate, depending on what they are and if they're in line with scripture, you had a, a, a demographic of people that would only get like supercharged for those songs. Mm-hmm. Hands would only be raised for those songs and only on specific parts of those songs, <laughs> like the chorus. And, or the third bridge. Right, but then when you would sing an old hymn, the next time... Even if it was, like, um, updated with some, some modern, you know, rhythms and so on. Fold their arms. Fold their arms, you know. And so it, you watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to see what people raise their hands to, right? And that could be a good thing that they're responding to or it could, you know, mm-hmm. be a negative thing that they're responding to. Yeah? yeah. Yeah.
0: So preferences are leak everywhere. And to be fair, uh, here in the last third of this episode we're going to have to defend why our way of doing things is not just our preferences. Yeah. Um so we'll, we'll get to that. But I want to dive some more into some of these other uh, expectations. I think these will move a little quicker. Um th- there's this very real sense that you you find in a lot of people that they just don't have really any expectations. They're just there out of duty. That's true. And it's just humdrum. It's just more of the same each week. Um I see that a lot in in a lot of Christians, in a lot of different churches. I see that in our church, uh, people that come in because they're supposed to be there, and they'll be there till we're done, and then they will we'll leave, yeah, and be done. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, they're just going through the motions. They're kind of humdrum. So they don't expect <clears throat> they're. You're saying that there's a good
1: expectation, and is they should expect to hear the truth. Um, about who God is and what, yeah. he, he, what that, he requires. Yeah,
2: they should expect that, and they should expect to to give of themselves yeah. to worship Almighty God. Yeah,
0: like, that's the next section. Like, but they don't. We keep solving these as we do them. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I mean that, that's how people come in. Is very, and this is why we call it a, a poor uh, expectation. It's just incredibly low view of of the church gathered, of what your worship actually does. Uh, I think often people view it as just a service rendered unto God, which should matter, right, in its sure. own. But it's more than that. It's effectual. It does something, Yeah. which we'll talk about some more. Uh, I, th- I think, of course, you know, so some people might have grown up more with the hymn thing mm-hmm. um, without, you know, a really good church pianist lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, all they know about church is that it's dry, right. it's ultra-solemn, Maybe if they were Catholic, it's Latin, so they didn't even understand anything, you know. And it didn't sound cool because the dude couldn't sing. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: only the guys like in France and in the monasteries in the hills actually uh, make it sound good. We
0: laugh about this, but Jeff listens to these uh, monk chants a lot I in do. his office.
1: I do. I have the whole like, yeah. I started listening to like monk. Latin chants back during sabbatical. You should try it. Well, when I
0: first heard you listening to that, I thought you were listening to Monty Python. Holy Grail. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then I found out it was a little bit more uh, pious, but no, it was pious. I
1: was <laughs> out on the porch doing my meditations. Yeah, there you go. No, I'm joking.
0: <laughs> so I think that's a that's a very real experience sure. for a lot of people, and I don't think is necessarily faithful to what a good hmm. church worship service should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's a, a fine difference between it being that and just being all this feel-good experience celebrations type thing, but we'll get there. Uh, another one I would say is that we, we touched on a little bit already is that you come in with an expectation that it's for you. Like I'm going to church, it's very personal, it's very selfish, and it can it can have that tricky nice tinge of like, well, I I'm going there to worship because He's my King, and, uh-huh. right we use it. But it's very—you're missing all of the unity of the, of yeah, the body. In a,
1: in a church that is bought into that, you will see that most of their songs are about me. Mm-hmm. They're me-driven. So yeah. God's in it, but it's all about what He's done for me, mm-hmm. and and won't He move that mountain for me? Yeah. And right. Yep. So it's it's kind of a prosperity thing, um, and that's uh, a good indication of that selfishness. Well,
0: that's where the majority of the music is these days. I mean, as we prepare our. Uh, Playlist for series. We have a, a matrix that we work through. You can listen to that on Greg Can Read, another podcast that we do. But inside there, there's a column that we have for relational songs, and we would call that what yeah. you're talking about a relational sure. song.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a place for that. There's
0: a place for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like
1: maybe one a week, you know. Yeah, there's a place for that, but you have no idea who you are until you know who God is, and putting God exactly. in His proper place puts me in my proper place. And
0: tells you something about you at the same time.
1: Exactly the point I'm making.
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't even have to jump to just singing from your perspective. You can see your perspective from that one. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. I
2: I think maybe the way this looks uh, practically is just, and it probably happens for many of us subconsciously, but you're sitting there, you listen to a song, and you're you're just thinking, how does this relate to me? How does this relate to me? How does this make me feel? How does this, you know... Instead of thinking, what is this saying about God? Mm -hmm. What is this saying about mankind? What is this saying about my life? Mm -hmm. Um, What is he saying about himself? What should I go do? What should I understand that I am? Yeah. You know, uh, and what is God doing? Uh, How is this encouraging the person next to me? Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah. Uh That's particularly timely because we've been singing from
0: Psalm 144, and it talks about our cattle having lots of babies. And <laughs> you're actually waiting for that very thing to happen. So yeah. in that moment, our entire church is singing for Matt. Yeah, I was going to say, like yeah.
1: right now, the only one that's cattle is heavy laden with with young is yeah. Matt's cattle. So we're all like singing it, <laughs> believing it for you, brother. I, I am
2: too. I'm like, yeah, come on.
1: Yeah, you five weeks late on the Which baby changes calves. the way
0: that I then list, I sing the parts about everybody else's sons because I have four daughters, right? So, That's true. Yeah, like it, it puts me outward. Yeah. So we've talked about uh, these different expectations and we've we've kind of solved a few of them already as we've talked about both sides of it. Uh, but let's talk about some rich expectations. What would it look like for us to come into worship with some good, proper expectations? And again, we've tackled some some antithesis already. But I would say that the first thing, even though uh, I've been trying to kind of reform for us on Sunday mornings, is this aspect of a call to worship. Like, what is the call to worship? We talk about that. We've used that language before. But what do we mean when we say, this is our call to worship? So I, I think fundamentally for this is, if we're talking about a rich expectation, and my kid's asking me on Saturday night, why are we going tomorrow morning? It is because our king has called us. He has summoned us to sing his glories with the saints. Mm-hmm. So we are coming to our king. We have been summoned by him. That, that no matter, no matter what even other bad expectations you have that we've already listed, that would start to change those. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: Yeah. yeah, and I think that, that even that thought is probably lost on a lot of people's heads, or a lot, like lost on our ears. Because we we don't know what it means for a, a king to summon us into his presence, mm-hmm. like that's an astounding reality. Like, like, it just if you under understand anything about walking into some sort of royalty's presence, yeah, that there is expectations that you don't speak unless you're spoken to. You stand when they stand, or you sit when certain times. And like, there's there's a uh,
0: you certainly don't decline to, to to show up. Yeah,
2: the
1: king has summoned yeah. you. You don't say, uh <laughs> eh. There's some snow on the road. Yeah,
2: you don't. (laughs) It's not gonna make it. You don't. You don't. I'm gonna go
1: camping this weekend. (laughs) You don't stay up late. Our kids are doing soccer. (laughs) Need I go on?
0: (laughs) I I like this. That's it. It's
2: good.
1: You get the point. I'm not sure they do. (laughs) (laughs) You two get the point,
2: (laughs) right? You don't uh, like stay up late the night before. No. You get rest. Because you bring your best to the king. You get prepared. You ask, what are the expectations? Yeah, that's good. So just don't let that phrase get lost
1: on your ears. There's a reverence when you come into the presence of the king as well, and a healthy fear.
0: Well, to your point, yeah, I I should set this up with the fact that if you're going to a worship experience, a worship celebration, you show up because you want something, and you call Jesus to meet you. Mm -hmm. And that's... We don't summon him.
2: Holy Spirit, we invite you into this. We
0: place. don't invoke. <laughs> it, we don't invoke him. Yes, this is. He goes
2: right. wherever he wants. That's right. That's right. Wherever the fog machine blows.
1: <laughs> so there goes the spirit. <laughs> the so the Gospel then, of Matt, verse whatever, first bullcrap. Verse all
0: of them. <laughs> uh, so since we've been summoned, we then have another expectation that we will hear from him. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, if, if, the, if the first thought is, um, what am I going to get from it? Then that will taint your understanding and interpretation of everything that follows afterwards, including every question that you hear or expectation that you hear. Uh, it's the first filter in the long lines of filters. Mm-hmm. But if the first question is, the, the, the king has summoned, and then what has he to say? and that's your expectation, then that's going to change everything else afterwards. Mm-hmm. That changes how you view the songs, how you view the style of music, that is. That's, that changes how you view the length of the service. That changes how you view the tone in which things were preached. Uh, that, that, that affects the um, what you're expecting from the, the praying. Uh, what is God saying to his people? What is the king have to say.
0: Now, what's crazy about that is you're still coming there because you need it. He mm-hmm. has something for you. He's going to give you something. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you shouldn't expect, because we're talking about expectations, to get something from it. But it is not centered around you.
1: Yeah, yeah. you should come needy in that exactly. sense. But realizing you don't always know what you need. Yes. Right? And the, but the king does. Mm-hmm. Therefore have ears to hear and so that humble. takes us
0: to our next one which is i think edification so if if we were going to church with an expectation that we have an experience or some kind of emotional uh, return or because of preferences or because of duty and we're going to miss that but if we come expecting to be edified that edification can take a different uh flavor so you're saying we don't necessarily know what we need yeah. if i'm planning to get edified it can come you know five different ways yeah <laughs> but that effect still happens yeah so edification, I think, has to be uh, kind of when I say, what am I going to get from this? It's that. That's good. So last thing I would say here uh, that's going to lead us into some of the rest of this episode is that there should be this aspect of a common culture is an expectation there. Mm. Um, there's uh, this danger that when we look at the world's culture that we say, well, we'll just bring all the good parts of all that into the church. And that's... I think it's really iffy on some of, you know, the the race discussions and whether or not cultures are actually, like, God-honoring or not. And it can be really, really mean to tell people that entire people's cultures are not God-honoring because they come from fully pagan backgrounds, right? Right. Mm -hmm. What we see in the scriptures is dictated to all God's people a common culture. Mm Mm-hmm. And when we come with that kind of unity as an expectation, then we actually do find that true common ground. Then we actually can truly experience Ephesians too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: let's not, let's not miss that otherness that comes with unity as we gather together with the body. Yeah. So last piece before we tackle really the warfare rebellion piece, which is uh, again, our primary motive. And we've been talking about that. Uh, we do want to say that for us, at least uh, Christ the Lord, and we think it, this is probably prescriptive for most, uh, all churches, is that we would say that the for us, the service is centered on the word. And then so we're, we're primarily saying that the central point of the service is the sermon.
1: So, rewind. Mm-hmm. You said most churches.
0: I, I corrected myself to you, all.
1: I just want to make sure. Sh- Wait, all churches would adhere to that. I don't know. Say I that love again.
0: I love Presbyterians, and they base it around the table. There's there's a big argument for the table, yeah. Which is the word, you know, in the flesh, and so, you know.
1: Sure, we can have another episode on that.
0: Yes, I love them. So I'm, for us, it's centrality of sermon.
1: I can tell you this: you can make arguments for the table and so on, but there is a marked difference. Um, even, and I don't want to lean on experience too much, but even to bring some of that in after you hear the word of God preached, the truth of God's word heralded and souls called to bow the knee to the King, the, the songs and the responses to the prayers and liturgy is, is different. It is. All right. This is why we try to preach sooner in our service than mm-hmm. than later so that our it's a response to the truth of God's word. Yeah. All right. So you could you can make some arguments about pulpit or table and we'll talk about that in the future when we get into the sacraments, I think. Yeah. But I would argue strongly that the pinnacle of God's people gathering on a Sunday morning is to hear the truth from God's word. It is. Doesn't mean the table is not important. Absolutely but the word of God informs me of the table, Uh-huh. right? That's why we fence the table. I was going to say, it
0: sets up the fencing as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so I think that's a, a huge piece, which I think would then, um, then a lot of churches would not measure up to that mark, mm-hmm. right? Because what happens is you have a worship experience that's the majority of the time is spent on the worship experience and then they give the preacher if you can even call him a preacher, who's going to sit on a stool next to his iPad and give a couple good words for 15 mm-hmm. minutes because we can't listen beyond that <laughs> because we have no value for the Word of God. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why we've gotten there, which, that, by the way, is not preaching because mm-hmm. it's not heralding and commanding in a, a battle cry. It's a talk. Yeah. So, So therefore, yeah, most churches, I think... Well, even from not adhere to that.
0: even from a reductionistic standpoint, I think that you can have a church service with preaching and no communion or baptism. Mm-hmm. I have been persuaded to um, that should not be the regular. so why we do weekly communion. Sure. but I which think we've you done can for a long time. I think you can still have that, but I don't think that you can really have a proper Sunday service that has no preaching but has the table. Yeah. So I, when we're talking about where's the hinge point, what's the pinnacle, we're going to say it's the sermon. So you can hear some more arguments as to why that is our stance from our previous episode on the pulpit (laughs) and the pew. I encourage you to listen to those. So for the purposes of this episode, it's important to us that we recognize that the centrality of the sermon is because it unifies all of the elements of the service around the word. And it unifies all of the people who are involved in the service around the word. So we're going to pick songs that specifically speaks to the theme of the text that week. we're going to pick readings and, and stuff from our, uh, from catechisms and from creeds uh, and from confessions that are speaking instructively to what we're studying that week. It's going Christian to be... Creeds,
1: not cre- we're not going to sing creed songs.
0: I do that in my office. Cool. I'm, I'm rested and weathered. <laughs> <laughs> Barely holding together. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be unified around the that. The only person going to get that
2: is, is Brian. That's
0: for me and Brian. Fist bump, baby. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... That, that unification around there is why it's such a big deal for us. And we celebrate that, we would say, in the table. Um, but it's founded there. So, any thoughts on that, preacher? <laughs> nice. That's, okay. That's good. Listen to Pulpit and Pew. Uh, so, to take us home... I feel like I've said this already. We have. Okay. Uh, so, go listen to that. Uh, for us to take us home, we want to talk about this warfare rebellion aspect. And we have three main pieces that you talked about, this uh, singing... Uh, uh, rebels against, and, and we want to be clear that we're emphasizing singing, um, but we're we are talking about the prayers, we're talking about the readings, we're talking about everything that happens mm-hmm. in our liturgy. Um, but just for ease, yeah, we're, we're gonna say singing. We'll say singing, yeah.
2: <laughs> and and there was a, a helpful article on um, on three occasions for rebellious singing. um but the, the three that they listed that we'll talk about here are singing rebels against the world, singing rebels against our circumstances, and singing rebels against our own hearts. And So the, the first one, singing rebels against the world, our songs, they, they write this, Our songs are one of the most powerful weapons we have by which we declare the truth of what we believe. When you think about it, that's exactly what we're doing when we sing. Our songs have as their basis that which is most important to us. So, uh, end quote there. So when we get to gather, I mean, it, this is a uh, a triumphant, a a pinnacle of our week. And really, uh, it should be the beginning of our week. Mm-hmm. And when we gather very functionally and practically, we're going to speak and talk about the things that are most important to to us. Uh, We're going to sing about that which is most important to us. We're going to preach about that which is most important to us. Um, And of course we would say that which God determines should be most important to us. Um, Certainly I'm implying that. But uh, to add to that, to go on with the quote, that's why it's important that we're able to sing and sing loudly that which is distinctly Christian and it's an act of rebellion by which we declare what we truly love, what we truly desire, and what we truly believe. So we we are, and and if you can't sense the onslaught of the world right now, then you should probably um, get your head out of the sand. Like the the world is is pressing in on the church, and so uh, I mean, for the first time in my life, I'm having thoughts about what I say and how much it's going to cost me Uh and what we sing as a church and how much it's going to cost me. Um, And that's a good thing.
0: Well, you know, what's crazy about this real quick. Hopefully I don't do really too much is that in here though, there's a huge assumption that we know what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that what we truly love, we desire, believe. And with our mission of helping people know, love and obey, Like people who don't know or love what they're singing about aren't doing us. It's not true rebellion. And when you talk about what we're against, the world knows what they they think they know what they believe and what they love, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a misplaced one, but they sure do love it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So we can't
0: stand against that if we don't truly know and love. No, we won't do that for sure. No,
1: no. I think about the importance of singing. As it rebels against the world, the world's ideologies, um, when it comes to our children. And we have our kids in the service with us, and they see their parents singing these these anthems mm-hmm. of the truth that combats the world's ideologies and pushes back against the darkness, um, and how it's teaching them to do the same. And so they're able to then now, as they, as they, Put these songs to memory, which have rich, theologically based lyrics. They're able to then, when they hear lies, uh, I think these these songs, and that's the one of the power of, of song. That's mm-hmm. um, why often when uh, you know have a kids' catechism, there's a song that accompanies it because yeah. it helps you memorize it. Um, it uh, helps combat the ideologies of the world that are coming against them, because yeah. they're being they're being. Catech- trying, the world is trying to catechize them, and so they need something to fight back with. And an anthem of rebellion against the world and its system is one of the most powerful tool- tools that you can give your children. Yeah. You know, sing to your babies um, the truths about God, um, and sing to your children. Sing around the dinner table. Sing while you work. You mm-hmm. know, My boys sing at the top of their lungs when they're doing chores judah was mowing the grass a couple of days ago and he's like singing we'll be all right if the lord be on our side and
0: then he's like <laughs> you're doing, doing so much at better the mower, like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> then, you know. my kids sing the hobbit drink- drinking songs <laughs> <laughs> that's good but
1: yeah just like that's so cool as he's out there working and the neighbors hear that you know my neighbors who have love is love signs everywhere and you know um, we'll be
2: sharpening, sharpening the the axe axe to cut down on daughter's oak
1: yeah like the sign next door exactly
2: yeah so as he runs over with his mower and i think that this (laughs) this is a fundamental difference a distinction between us and the majority of the church culture and that is our our aim is not just Let's um throw up some walls, kind of huddle down and kind of self protect no, but the scriptures say the gates of Hades will not prevail. well, a gate doesn't attack mm-hmm. a gate you're attacking, and so what he's saying is that as we attack as we move forward, as we're on the offense that that the 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 door cannot withstand the kingdom of God, yeah and so. When we sing, when we gather to to do liturgy, to pray, like we're not we're not just huddled back saying like, all right, all right, all right. What? uh, How can we encourage ourselves? And how can we, you know, not not that that's not a part of it, but that's not that's that's not our ultimate aim. The aim is all right. How do we how do we move forward the kingdom of God?
0: Here's the problem: is that they are huddled inside the walls. Right, uh, our walls in the defensive posture, and instead of singing our songs, they're singing the culture songs. Mm. They're singing some Katy Perry. They're singing some Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. The hymns of that republic.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah you're singing, yeah, exactly, your enemy songs. I mean, if you're going to sing your enemy songs, you should be mocking them.
0: Well, I think you, maybe you should take another look around at what gates you're actually behind.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's a good yeah, point.
0: good word.
1: Yeah, and word on that, I man, you got to listen to what your kids are listening to. Maybe that's another episode. You also got to, you know, watch what your kids are watching.
0: We have to come up with a P word for the nursery. Pampers. Well, I guess (laughs) pediatric pedagogy. There you go. (laughs) 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 These
1: titles are getting way out of hand.
2: Moving on to the next one. Singing rebels against our circumstances. Uh, they, They go on, in large part, our songs are contradictory in a sense. We sing about joy, victory, and the greatness and supremacy of Jesus, all the while we are walking through cancer treatments, job loss, death of uh, friends and loved ones, but we sing on. Mm-hmm. And as we do, we're declaring that our present circumstances do not have the final word Jesus does. And and so we sing what is true no matter what our circumstances might say to us. Mm-hmm. It reminds me when when we uh as the elders were in a bit of a battle a couple years ago, and I remember it like it was yesterday, we were in the auditorium, and Jeff, you said like, "Man, we've got to, we have got to worship our way through this. Like, You're we have right. got yeah. to sing our way through that." And that that was obviously left an impression on me mm-hmm. in those moments. Um, be and until related to here because our singing is is um, contradictory to. The uh, experience yeah. of the moment, the circumstances. We're saying, yeah, these 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 circumstances suck, but God, mm-hmm. uh, you might think you have the upper hand, but God, yeah, uh, you might think we're defeated, but but God, come on now, let's To right. organ,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Chuck Knox, which is good. Take that is a compliment. That's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. I know. I agree with you. I was reading through the Psalms during that time, and uh-huh. I was just all of a sudden thinking oh this literally the psalms are david worshiping his way through a host of circumstances mm-hmm. yeah you know
2: and now uh, one thing we gotta be careful with that is uh, what what because uh, uh, there's a movement particularly in uh charismaticness that that is like I, i'm gonna sing and it's more of an emotional hype sure. to get through that's Although I think this, the emotions go uh, become affected by, but that's mm-hmm. not what I'm most fundamentally thinking of here. I'm yeah. most fundamentally thinking, I'm declaring uh, these truths and this reality in the midst of this reality over here. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm actually taking this what what might suck in life right now, and I'm actually. Defining it by the truth of God's word, mm-hmm. so I, I'm saying yes, but or ah, you know I see it that way, but it actually is this way because God says it, and I'm going to sing that, mm-hmm. and we're going to pray that, and we're going to believe that, yeah. and so in a sense I'm I'm rebe- we're rebelling against that circumstance, yeah. um, and, and so emotions come from that. Sure, and music has an effect like that,
1: yeah, but it's the it's the um singing the truths of god and his word to combat and to um channel my emotions and feelings as they should be yeah it's good so oh,
0: for to put a little more <laughs> a little more artistic <laughs> note on that the, the one of the big aspects of music is order right it fits inside yeah. of a key inside of a time signature and so while we it does have the ability to literally move you mm-hmm. It does so by ordering. And so a lot of what you were describing is, is actually ordering for you. This yeah. is putting it in, in the proper place so that you can manage it, process it, believe it, whatever yeah. it might be. It's, it takes a lot of that chaos and puts it to order. That's why multiple musicians can play together because mm. they are bound together by some kind of order. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Mm. And think about that in, in the rebelling sense, right? And as God's people... And their hearts and minds and circumstances are rightly ordered. Uh, the affections come from that, and uh, the rightful emotions come from that, and then rightful, good, bold advancement for the kingdom of God comes out of that. Whether that's bold advancement in spanking your kids or bold advancement in uh, standing up to um, you know the letter family bullies or. Or standing up to Pharisees within the church. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So the third one is uh, singing rebels against our own hearts, uh, which is very similar related to the circumstance one above. But uh, they say sometimes we need to rebel against ourselves when our hearts condemn us, when we are prone to wander, when every emotion in us is pulling us in a direction contrary to the will of God, we sing. As we do, we are taking an active stand against our deceitful hearts, which would have us believe that something other than Jesus is better than Jesus. Mm -hmm. As we sing, we find that slowly, methodically, we can actually start to gain ground in our own hearts and souls. So again, back to your rightly ordering um, so those truths that we're singing yeah. that we're praying that we're reading uh we, uh we may not feel it back to the uh, Alistair Beg thing. I well I, I'll tell you how I feel. I feel, I feel like horrible. a wretch, right? right? I feel terrible. <laughs> Te- uh, like what tell me what I should know. That's <laughs> right. what he that's what so Beg's saying. What he said, tell me what I should know. Tell me what I should know. He was say, he's saying at that moment I I need to rebel against yeah. my own heart. But give me I, the
1: truth that that will cause my emotions to bow to it and order them, like you said. I'm going to go, Russ.
2: And just, you know, I I think about so many people that come through CTL uh, or even just, we'll we'll make it a little more micro here, come through a service and they just walk out on the other side like thinking, you know, what uh, what did I get out of that? You know, or, well, that was a little long or, you know, like, uh, that was a little hot or... That uh, tone wasn't quite preferable.
0: Or on the other side, that song was
2: cool. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, that wow, true. that was a cool song. Oh wow, mm-hmm. that gave me a little nugget to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, or a, a, instead of going, man, the the truths that we sang, the the what I heard from the word, um, is helping me rebel against the the pagans that are at work, uh, the sons of disobedience, mm-hmm. or uh, that that now I'm I'm rightly ordering my thoughts about my circumstances or I am rebelling against what my heart wants to feel and and I'm I am telling it to get in line Mm -hmm. I'm telling it uh, I'm telling those bad thoughts to go to hell yeah Uh, and here here you good thoughts you good truth you are you uh, truth versus falsehood you truth have a home in my heart have a home in my mind yeah. Uh it just that's just a totally different perspective. Yeah.
0: This last one particularly out, out of the three of those really battles idolatry the most. Uh that's, that's what we're being tempted for is uh, inside of no love and obey. This really helps us tackle loving and obeying. Yeah. Yeah. So as we fight idolatry we're declaring that which is actually true. Yeah. Uh, to ourselves and then to each other.
1: When we bring our we think about um, worship as warfare and the state of the world or the state of the things in which we're going through in our own lives you know, pain and sorrow and hardship there's a lot of fear that is um, placed before people you know our own people circumstances in which we get ourselves in or that come upon us and it makes me think of this worship as warfare have you ever seen um, Shakespeare's well, Shakespeare's *Henry V* is a play, and there's an old movie. Kenneth Branagh plays the main character. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, which people make fun of me for because it's all like in old English and stuff. <laughs> but it's just so great. And um, when I think about our Sunday morning worship, which includes liturgy, which includes preaching, which includes song and prayer, public reading of the scriptures. Um, giving of our offerings and tithes to the Lord. There, Towards the end of that play, uh, Henry V is fighting in France. He's outnumbered. And um, he rallies his men, you know, in a classic speech from the king before they go into battle. We're outnumbered. But, um, you know, th- we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he who gives his life for me here today will be my brother. How's it go? Be he ne'er so the stable gentle his condition, um, and he says, "Gentlemen in England now abed uh, will think themselves a curse and hold their manhoods cheap, while any speaks who fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day." And he, he rallies the men who are in the fight, because there's a lot of men who didn't join them. They go out and, and against all odds beat the highly superior French army.
0: The French would think they're superior.
1: Exactly. And then they and they sing, and I, I'm no good at Latin, but something like this. I'm sure somebody will correct me. You can email me. Um sta ne domine, which to God alone be the glory, they sing as they they uh, walk across the battlefield and triumph over their, you know, defeated foe. And it's just a picture of what is taking place in the Christian's life and, and that of courage, draw courage around the truths of God's word, go out and fight um, with these anthems in your heart, and then we give thanks for, for God's victory. And heaven will be like that. There's a picture and a shadow of what heaven will be like one day where we sing and give thanks to the, the victorious lamb for what he has done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. Well, it could be that, or you could show up without your armor um, and just sit there and stare deadpan at the preacher <laughs> and walk out and be like, what's for lunch?
1: No, man. You come and sharpen your swords, polish your armor,
0: and mm-hmm. let's go. Amen. Let's go. Well, you were supposed to close us out with a hymn. Oh, yeah? Not a Shakespeare. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, what you got for us? Marching on, marching on for Christ count everything as loss and to crown him king we'll toil and sing neath the banner of the cross
0: Amen Amen. Well that is the piano and the psalms and uh, we're glad you could join us this week. I want to encourage you as always to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord overall. See you next week